Welcome back to the Andrew Curtis Show. And getting back into the interview kind of thing at the moment. If you've been enjoying the Science of Happiness series that I've been doing, that's going to be back in the next week or two as well. But for now, so the inspiration for today's conversation and the invite for the guest that I have today came from talking about the creative process. Because I love the creative process. And it's so unique. It's an adventure. And it's something that unfolds uniquely for, for every person who's, who's a part of it. And so I was talking with a friend of mine about uh, her life as a filmmaker and some of the things that have been a part of that journey, the projects that she's involved in and some that her friends have been involved in as well. And I immediately thought to myself, this needs to be a podcast. And so the invitation went out and Sarah Howell graciously accepted. So thanks, Sarah. Yeah, thank you for having me having me in the air <laughs> recorded for all of eternity you know like this is a snapshot think about it uh oh i better be careful what i say no i don't know i don't know if it's possible to like do anything and then not look back on it in a few years and be embarrassed about it oh see that's interesting because i actually think that's the opposite like i oh, think, really i think well hold on what's the opposite but i mean what i mean to say is that I tend to think that what I do almost immediately after I do it is cringeworthy. Okay. But with the perspective and kind of like buffer of time, I actually tend to think, oh wow, that was actually really amazing. Really? Yeah. Huh. And, and, it's, and I notice that especially with pictures. Like if, if you were to take a picture of me like right now today as I am, uh -huh. I would probably look at that picture and judge and be like, ew, look at that, look okay. at this, look at me, yuck. But then give me two years, show me the same picture at whatever point in time I am in my life, and I most probably will say, huh, it wasn't that bad. <laughs> All right. I like that perspective. I don't know. I guess I've, yeah, I've tended to find like, I suppose because I've, I've recorded a lot of things about different mindsets and attitudes I've had as well. And so when I kind of re-experience those again, it's almost like, you know when you're talking to somebody who's like a lot longer than lot longer, a lot younger than you are or something like that, and you hear them say something that sounds really profound to them, and you're really just like, oh bless, I remember when that was like a, you know. So that's kind of the moment I have for myself, like over and over again, going. Fair play. Pat myself on the head, you know. Oh, you were trying. Good yeah, on you, kid. Yeah, you're learning. <laughs> I see you trying to grow, evolve. Yeah. To become longer. <laughs> Look at you being a real human and stuff. Yeah. So look, I want to talk about filmmaking then, and um, just your career as a filmmaker, your experience as a filmmaker. So starting at the very beginning, right? Where did this first emerge as a thing that you were going to pursue? Um, see it as a career or just something that was viable for you to go after? Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so the, the, the spiel goes that I didn't know a film could have been a career, mm -hmm. at least for me. Sure. Um, and so I never even thought of it. I wasn't one of those people that grew up thinking, um, oh, I'm going to be a director or I'm going to be a script writer. I thought I was going to be a writer. I always knew I liked writing. I enjoyed acting and theater and wardrobe, costume design, different parts of it, but I didn't imagine it as a career. I did my undergrad in religious studies, political science, trying to escape you know, the creative spirit because that wow. doesn't pay. Tell me about that for a second then. So yeah. Well, what, what was the stuff that you covered as part of that then? Like that's quite, quite a tangent. 
Well, I, yeah, I guess in a way it's kind of like I, I, it was, I did political science more so, so you could have like you could tell people, yeah, I'm serious and I know what's going on right. in the world. Right. And then religious studies to kind of like alleviate that side and kind of like float into another world. But actually, they're very similar, right? Both of them are explorations of forms of thinking uh-huh. and how to structure our lives. And both both of them are quite like historical. Um, anthropological studies mm. of humans and right. what we do, um, and yeah, it, it was it was good fun. But if uh, but uh, what do you do with that? <laughs> um, yeah. and, and so I went into journalism. Okay. And then uh, when I was working as a journalist, I in in TV, radio, and print. I realized that it wasn't it wasn't as liberating of, in terms of, of form of expression. Okay. Um, very highly edited, mm. very highly biased. I mean, it's like anything. It's it's a it's a thing that needs to sell. It's sure. a thing that needs eyes and viewership. And so I thought, well, if I'm going to make up stories, um, I might as well make up stories that I enjoy telling. Yeah. Uh, and stories that I can actually like twist the plot without offending people, um, and that's when I kind of started exploring script writing. Okay. So I was in my I'd say early twenties when that happened, but yeah, it and and uh, yeah. So I'm not. I came into what I do now almost by chance, as like. Uh, almost as a way to just a legitimate way to be able to tell made-up stories and Mm. and keep fantasizing about a life that I like or want or see. Yeah, yeah. Because what I like about that, though, is that just to have that presence of mind to say, like, what you do and don't enjoy about where you're at and and how that starts to inform, like, your next steps. Um, Whenever I have conversations with people about how they found what it is they're doing, that I mean, that's really, really common. You know, most of the stuff that we do, I mean, what I'm doing right now, I didn't study for at all either. But it's that moment of going like, oh, okay, this element of this that I like, but like you mentioned, hey, I love the storytelling, but this kind of feels not as, I love the word liberating, not as free as I would have liked. Yeah, it's interesting because it's kind of opposite of how we're raised. Like when we go through the education system, it, we're asked, you know, from a very young age, what do you want to do or what do you want to sure. be? And it's almost like you feel like like it's this hand pointing down at you, like pick yeah. your career and pick. <laughs> and they your start life. asking you when you're like 12, right? Yeah. And you're like, oh, come on, man. And all you know back then is like, okay, there are firemen, there are police people, <laughs> there are lawyers, doctors, and. I was gonna be a policeman at five years old. I was gonna be a policeman. I was gonna be a lawyer. Okay. So yeah. we fit the boxes. Yeah. Check, nice. check. Legal enforcers. You're, we could have had a TV show. We could have had, you know. Oh well, we still <sighs> can maybe. Yeah. Know? Okay. Now we can create the TV show <laughs> about what we could have been. Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. And and as you go through life, you realize, um, interesting, there's all these careers that you didn't dream of. Mm. Um, thankfully so. And maybe, and here's the thing, like maybe the, the things that we are going to do in life we have yet to find. Most mm. likely so. Mm. So I came into filmmaking um, at at a late age for a lot of filmmakers sure. that I know at least sure. um, and yet I and now I love absolutely absolutely love what I do mm. but I, I honestly 
I don't know if this is all that I'm going to do. Mm. And that's okay with me, wherever, yeah. whatever happens next. Can I tell you a thought I had about that once? Actually, yeah. that kind of, I don't know, to, to me, yeah. that whole idea of like, what are you going to do, right? Like, because I've, I've had that same kind of idea, like, man, most of the stuff that we find ourselves doing, we didn't even know was possible. And I think what makes it really stressful is it's got this idea of you being finished. You know, like, how do you know you've arrived? It's like, when you become a whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and so all this kind of pressure to say, well, you know, when you pick that thing, now you've got to be that thing. And you've got to be that thing kind of for the rest of your life. And it wasn't until I started to see that most people, well, everyone really, I'm saying most people, but as I think about it, I can't think of anyone who's literally just done one thing their whole life. Like, even if you just worked in one place, eventually you retired, hmm. right? So that whole thing about being in process and going, well, look, I'll do this for a while, but it, it's not the thing that has to define me. It's me being aware of what the next expression of that might look like. Yeah, exactly. I think, um, interestingly enough, I think for at least now, there's kind of like this momentum based on how the, the job industry is going is that there's kind of like a return to people being polymaths in the sense like not just specializing in one thing, but mm. exploring many different facets. And um, I, I, luckily, being in the arts, arts, quotation marks, <laughs> whatever you want to say. That's air quotes, everybody. Like, you know, well, we need to come up with like a sound for air quotes because I do it all the time. And I'm like, wait, nobody would have seen that. That wouldn't work. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> arts. Uh, as we are, um, yeah. at least that gives us the ability to morph our character mm. and our doings. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the beauty, right? Yeah. Of what we do. Yeah. So tell me about then, you, you also, we were talking the other day about, uh, you know, a, a project that you're particularly involved in right now. So I'd love to hear more about kind of the origins of that and kind of where it's heading to now in terms of the filmmaking projects and things you're involved in right now. Oh gosh, which one is that one? Which one is that one? The which one? Because, hold on. Oh, whoa, okay. Are you talking about the book that was the script that was yeah. the... Okay, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. Because I thought you were asking no. about the porno. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, you can tell me about that as well. I mean, look, that, that I was not expecting and that's the mm. tangent that nobody saw coming. So, uh, yeah, go for it. Either way, like, so. whatever you want. So I'll, I'll tell you about both if you want to hear about yeah, both, yeah, yeah, but I feel it. like the porno is quite funny right now. <laughs> I just want to say that this is my favorite surprise tangent. I've done like 30-something of these now. This is my favorite surprise tangent I think I've ever had. So like, just... Yes. All right, okay. Um, so I've never done a porno before. Really? Me either. Oh. Isn't that oh. funny? Oh my god, we see, see where, where we could go in life. We didn't even know what we would oh be doing. I never thought 10 years ago I'd be saying I'm going to make a porno. Oh my god. Um, but that is now one of my goals in life. Right, right. So my sister and I, uh, we are starting a, um, a product. We're launching a product for females. It's a female refresher spray. It's okay. amazing. Uh, this whole like ethos behind it and... Part of the reason why I was really adamant initially to get behind it was that in the sex industry as it is now, it's getting much, much better. Mm -hmm. And there are some like super female heroes in the industry, but it's still very male dominated. Sure. Um, and that comes down to the porn that you watch. And so one of the big things when my sister and I were brainstorming the, the birth of, of this baby 
this product that we're birthing Inter together. Interesting kind of confluence of like metaphors, really, isn't Ooh, it? Like this yeah. whole birthing thing. Is that, yeah, anyway. Ooh, that's yeah. weird. Weird metaphor. Mm, <laughs> I'll rethink that one. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> that um, but yeah, I, I, I said I wanted to make a porno. Um, and so Kat and I, Kat being my sister, uh, are going to try to make, or we will make, the first fully crowdsourced, crowdfunded, uh -huh. female gaze-oriented porno. That is our goal. <laughs> okay. Wow. Yeah. So tell me about, because that's, I mean, some of the discussion I've heard around this whole topic as well is the influence that, that porn's had on sexuality and even, you know, treatment of women and that kind of stuff as well. So, I mean, what, what's your perspective on that? I mean, what's been the... I'm just fascinated to know kind of the, yeah, what was part of that I mean, decision. it's like, honestly, it's not so much in terms of like how others treat me. That wasn't necessarily the yeah, driving yeah. force for me because maybe I've been lucky enough. I've had like good men in my life, but I definitely have heard that mm. it, it's negatively impacted other women's sexual interactions with men. But for me, it was more so that like what is shocking to me is that I don't watch porn. Okay. And a lot of my girlfriends don't either. Sure. And when you think about it, it doesn't make sense because for a porn, sorry, is just another form of escapism. Okay. And why does it have all these big taboos around it? Why? So that's one thing, the taboos around it. But the other thing is just that it just doesn't appeal to us. Like I watch porn and my reaction is either I want to laugh right. or I want to puke right. or I want to like, it's just, it, it just does not appeal to us. Sure. And when you realize that your girlfriends are saying the same things, that they're mm. turned off by it, they want to watch it, but they can't because they just <laughs> aren't into it. Right. You realize there's a whole market out there that is completely missed. Right. Um, where there's there's a creative opportunity to make something for a certain group of people um, that that's just not there okay so that's kind of the gap that that I and, and that's a creative challenge right to say like there's there's something lacking out there so you as a creator who has filmmaking experience <laughs> right not with porn <laughs> yeah right but with other forms of film and storytelling how can you use that creative experience into making something else that right. others are seeking and needing and wanting. Wow. So it, it, it I mean let's see how it goes but Sure. Yeah, there's there's other there's another female porn maker from from she lives in Spain. She's a Swedish woman, Erica Lash. She does crowdsourced uh -huh. porn um in the sense that people submit anonymous Confessions like sexual fantasies, yeah, 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 sure. And then she turns them into well-produced porn. But we're we're looking to take that a step further in the sense of like crowdsourcing down to like the story, the plot mm. twist, that kind of stuff. <laughs> the plot twist. Yeah. <laughs> the plot twist. <laughs> yeah, because that's what people think of when they think of porn. I was like, yeah, but what was the plot twist? What was the sexual <laughs> position twist? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So. All right. Porn tangent. Porn tangent, yeah. Wow. Because, yeah. I mean, look, I, I don't know if this is the time to talk about that as well, but, like, because some of the um, friends I've been working with who do a lot of work with, like, youth and young people and things like that as well talk about the impact that kind of thing has as well. So, I don't know. I don't know if I don't have a specific kind of answer to that or observation to that right now, but it's, a, yeah, it's amazing that that's so part of our culture now that this is a thing that we look to do. Like, hey, how do we meet this market? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, like, to me, I don't even think twice of it. So, like, when I talk about it, and, and like, sometimes people give you looks, and I'm like, why are they looking like that? And okay. I realize, like, maybe to some people it's still a bit taboo. Right. And, again, that's just kind of an unfortunate thing. Like, it's, I, I hope that in, in reclaiming a part of it, in changing the kind of dialogue in the porn industry, in the sex industry, whatever that uh-huh. is, that that you desensitize it, but desensitize it in an empowering way. Okay. I agree that a lot of what goes on in that industry is not good. Sure. And because of that, people scorn it or shame it. Mm. Um, and what I, my opinion is, is I don't think it should be mm. a negative thing because right. it's, an, it's something we all feel, something we all fantasize mm. about. And mm. so how do you pick that up and turn it into something that is um, worthy, something that is um, engaging, something that is not dehumanizing, dewomanizing. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, I think that's that's often been from the perspective I've had, particularly from again guys who work with youth and things like that as well. Is that that can be their response to that kind of thing as well. So I mean, I think if nothing else, like, and it's partly behind why I started doing the podcast in the first place. Right? Was that. You know, when you talk about a taboo topic, who makes a topic taboo? Well, we do. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's... And if you've got different perspectives, and look, man, I've got no doubt there are going to be people who are listening right now who, who disagree, and that's that's fine. But I also think if you're going to be able to talk about this kind of stuff as well, that's such a big part of our culture one way or the other, no matter how you feel about it. Well, this is how you talk about it. Yeah, it's insane. Like, and when you when you start looking into the industry, you as you said, it's part of our culture. Like, dang, it is really part of our culture. Yeah. And I have no idea about most ninety nine percent of it because I'm so disengaged from it. Sure. And then you realize this whole thing is going on that is affecting so many people's lives in such a big way right. that you have no influence over mm. or no no direction over, and that that's scary because yeah, it's shaping people's minds. Mm. Yeah. And those people are going to engage with you as a female in a way that you don't consent to or in a way yeah. that you don't um, you don't see in a way. Yeah, it's, mm. it's, it's interesting. Because I think that's like kind of branching into another topic. We're getting way off topic, but I'm oh, enjoying this anyway. Yeah. This is fine. So like, because part of I think what that connects with, like there's been an increased awareness too of just how women for themselves expect to be treated and how we kind of allow each other to be treated and blah, blah, blah. Um, and I think one thing in particular, and you mentioned that in, in your response as well, is that teaching somebody, it's one thing to say, you know, how do I mitigate like negative behavior? How do I, you know, whatever. But equally, like, what, is, what does respect look like? You know, what does it look like to, not just how do you stop negative behavior, but how do you teach, you know, every individual, male or female, this is what respect looks like. This is how you respect somebody else. Because like you mentioned, if you don't know that, and particularly with a lot of the influence that a lot of guys are getting out of the porn they're viewing at the moment anyway can harm a lot of people yeah and the thing is too it's like you know listen i'm if you have like a certain fantasy and it's very like male dominating and it it's like puts women in a position of submission like i'm not saying there's actually anything wrong with that but here's the thing about like you're talking about respect right like respect is understanding that there's different discourses or dialogues and it's hard to have respect for others when you don't hear their discourse, when you don't hear mm. their dialogue. Mm. And so by not having multiple f- different kinds of eyes in this industry that so heavily influences 
a group of people, mm. i.e., men. Sure. Then you're you're disrupt. You know, you're harming kind of something that could be it, it, it's like the idea like and actually this ties into film because the whole thing now there's this whole hashtag like female filmmaker friday okay yeah. and it's i i just heard about this but it's all about like on fridays you're supposed to hashtag yourself or or the world like female filmmaker friday and it's for female filmmakers like directors i mm. think who say who just want to say to the world like hey i'm a female Filmmaker, I direct film, I exist. Okay, wow. Because that's how like rare they are in the industry. Yeah. They're kind of like unicorns, and it's just saying like it's not saying that they want to replace men as male directors. They just want to add another dialogue into yeah. the creative process and add another discourse, um, give another perspective. It's the whole idea why you, you know, minority let a minority speak and et cetera, et cetera. Sure. I mean, yeah, it's it's a, it, it's it's interesting. It's a rabbit hole thing, but respect. Okay, I respect your fantasy. Now respect mine. Now let me make a porno. <laughs> <laughs> that's like the best kind of sum up. Yeah. That's just therefore is. <laughs> just let me make a porno. Okay, I respect what you gotta say. I don't like it. Let me make a porno. <laughs> All right. So, well, that that is again the best unexpected tangent I think I've ever had. So, um, so tell me about the other um, the the book that became the play that became the, you know, the other thing that we kind of talked about. Yeah. <laughs> it's gonna the, be kind of anticlimactic now, right? Like, where do you go from there? Well, we'll see. We'll see. Oh no, no. Um, yeah. So the play, the short play that became a feature script, that became shopped around, that then became. A book or okay. is is a book is in the process of being a book right yeah I mean I don't know I don't know like what's what's kind of the what's the angle here what are, what's the angle here of this one yeah well for me it's um like a lot of people have got creative ideas that just they just kind of carry with them um, what I, I guess I really like and appreciate in people who creative people that I see that are actually creating content in some way is that it's kind of a step between going hey I've got this idea to I'm actually gonna realize this thing I'm gonna turn it into something tangible that it's not just an idea in my head now somebody else can see it touch it feel it hear it whatever it might be right so I mean to me it kind of sounds like for you that was just kind of natural quite a natural process like nothing too remarkable about it then because I think a lot of people carry around an idea for a book or a play or something and it just stays in their head. Ooh, I mean, what you just said is really scary. The creating and putting it out there. Yeah. And, and it's still really scary for me. Okay. I, I've come to believe that any time I feel deeply uncomfortable with something I'm making, I have to put it out there. And wow. it, it's almost like I've become my worst best friend. Okay because that means that anytime I'm like, I don't want to do this, this makes me uncomfortable, I don't like it, I don't think it's good, I don't think it's worthy, I don't, then this other part of my brain kicks in and goes, well, that means you have to do it. Interesting. For better or worse. Do you remember the first time that kind of, that moment happened for you though? Like, was there a particular thing that taught you that? I'm, I'm not sure that there was a moment. I, I, I think it's just been like a series of experiences maybe throughout yeah. life and I'm still getting that reinforced every time. But I, I think it's like, I remember the first time I put up a play 
or and I just remember thinking like even before it went up to the general public like the the story asleep mm. in him when it first went up as a play mm. in Malaysia as part of a short um, festival and before it went up and I, I loved it I was really attached to it that the actors behind it were incredibly talented it was a very supportive environment but I remember thinking like oh gosh who let me do this like who who approved this this is this is not good this is not good and, and I mean I knew it was special in a way because they had something to say but I just thought like you know just walk away and I was really wanting to walk away yeah and I f was really uncomfortable with the whole process and and it ended up winning awards and it ended wow. up getting invited down to Sydney and I remember like and I look back at pictures from that event of like <laughs> when I was receiving awards and I look almost angry <laughs> like okay. it was like I was angry that I had won yeah um, because I was just deeply deeply uncomfortable yeah and I don't think that's ever gone away. In fact, I just released a short film recently, and same thing. I thought like, oh, just who who let me do this? Right. So it, it's actually deeply scary to create something deeply uncomfortable. And I think I don't know, but maybe one of the differences, at least, that separates the people that end up creating versus the one who sit on ideas, because. We all have ideas. We yeah. all have brilliant ideas, yeah. life-changing ideas. Absolutely. World-changing ideas. Yeah. The difference is the people who act on those ideas usually are the people I tend to see, are the people that either are so ignorant in their bliss that mm. like almost psychopathic in a way, those are rare, few and far between, but you do have those, or they are just so deeply in sweats and fear that they just give in, mm. like jumping without looking. Yeah, right. Um, so that's why you actually get a lot of narcissists in the creative world. Okay, tell me more about that. And that's why you also get a lot of depressives. <laughs> <laughs> it's like two opposite like, ends of the yeah, spectrum, Yeah, you right? get like the two opposite ends. Yeah, right. I feel, I don't know, that's what I feel. But like sure. anybody who kind of sits in the middle and is too rational about it, yeah, right. you'll just never make, you'll never create if you're too rational about it. Yeah. Because it's, it's a very irrational process and it's a very... Um, it's a very scary thing to do and you're putting your, yourself on a limb and you're asking people to judge you. Like, what mm. rational human would do that? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, something I've um, observed on that line is that I think that, like for our culture as well, we tend to put people in like, you got two camps and you can literally either be in the, kind of in the emotive camp or you can be kind of in the logic and thinking and rational kind of camp and the two just don't get each other. Mm. Um, I guess <laughs> Actually, I had this moment, this came to me in a deep, deep moment of realization when I was watching, like, um, a Star Trek episode. <laughs> deep thoughts from Star Trek. I know, right? There's this um, series on Netflix at the moment. There's, like, this new kind of thing. I was like, oh, okay, that's kind of... What know. is it called? Uh, what is it called? Star Trek? Is it Discovery, I think it is? It's, like, whatever the new series. I don't know. I just thought, oh, okay, well, this is a new thing. Like, I'm not a massive Trekkie, but I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, we'll see what this is like. But anyway, I was, I was having this, this thought, right, about you know, kind of people being in two camps and like, I always like to challenge my own thinking, you know? So I was like, is that just like my weird perspective on it or is this like really a thing? And so I'm sitting there watching, right? And then like, oh, you know, whatever. And in the back of my head, and then suddenly this, you know, Vulcan guy appears on screen. And I was like, oh my God, it's you. Like, you're the embodiment of that whole thing, right? Like, if you know anything about, for those of you who are listening, um, anything about like Star Trek as well, right? Is that they're all like, they're super logical. Like all I do is logic because emotion is, 
damaging, threatening, it's you know, risky or whatever it is. So let's not feel anything and just live in a world of logic. So when you've got that kind of a, you know, when you're in a creative medium, there's got to be emotion in there. There's got to be feeling and, and, like you say, the highs and the lows of that. And if you can't deal with what's going to come with putting out something that matters a lot to you, you won't create. You'll be too afraid of it. Yeah, yeah. If you're too rash, if you're too Vulcan-like about yeah. it, <laughs> I think the best, the best advice for myself personally um, is is you create, you and you let it go, and you don't right. look back. Wow. Um, How do you do that though? Oh, um, you just literally you press post or send, yeah, and then you don't look back. Okay. Like, so you don't rewatch stuff you've made before, or? Oh, rarely. Yeah. Rarely. Yeah. I mean, by the time that something I. By the time I put something out, I've probably seen it so oh, many yeah, times. It point. sounds like gibberish to me. Okay, yeah, fair enough. Um, or I can, like, you, you pick up on all the shit. All the shit. Like, you watch it and you're like, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. Sure. Um, so you're, you're not your best friend by the time you put something <laughs> out. And, and then at that point, you just have to, and, and nothing's ever finished. Like, sure, you could yeah, always right. make it better and you could always keep going. At a certain point, you just go done like I'm sending this I'm putting this out into the world because mm. I literally cannot live with it anymore I mm. need to move on from my own sanity and if you look back and you worry too much about what people say you'll never keep moving yeah I, I, I developed this thing early on and thankfully so because I'm so afraid of other people's judgment I said I said that I would never read reviews Wow. And so early on, best, best thing I ever did for myself is I told one of my best friends, I told two really good friends essentially, and I said, read these things for me. Mm. And I would pass them links to reviews or to discussions of things I'd done, but I would never watch them. I would never read them. Wow. And so I actually, like I, I've had you know, a theater run, the last one I did, I have no idea. (laughs) But my friends told me that it was good feedback and therefore I have a perception of what I did as being good. Okay. And I'm happy. Okay. But then you kind of, you kind of sneaky are getting reviews then, aren't you? Like... Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, essentially what I'm asking (laughs) them to be is like my filter. So like, okay, I get it. Um, if it's like a bad review, essentially what I'm trying to tell them to do for me is like just, you know, like make it not so bad so that I don't right. mope and cry about it because okay. that's not going to help anyone. Yeah. Um, but, but definitely, like if there's constructive criticism that I can take and that sure. I can build on, tell me. Mm. Um, so it's not saying like censor and everything and all, but it's like warp the message mm. so that it doesn't beat me down. Wow. Yeah, that that's I I would highly highly suggest people to get filters in their lives. <laughs> it's a really good idea. Yeah, you should, should get, get a to, filter. Yeah, to be honest, my my whole approach with podcasting, right? Like, I don't know how much of this was just because I was lazy as well. So, like, disclaimer. Mm. But like, when I started doing this, I decided to myself I wasn't gonna go back through every episode and edit it and take out all the ums and the ahs and this kind of stuff. I thought, man, I just want this to be like a raw conversation. And when I've done that, I will put a tag on the front, a tag on the end, and I'll post it, and that's it. That's awesome. And so I don't think... I have had a couple of episodes that I've listened through like in parts, like skipped through just to make sure it came out okay. But yeah, for the most part, I don't revisit any of them. 
I think part of it too is like I just decided I don't know if you had this as well when you started doing your stuff too but I was like people used to ask me these really commercial questions when I started like you know who's your target market and all this kind of stuff and I was more like I don't really care about a target market I want to make something that I want to listen to or I would want to listen to I want to do something that lines up with the things that I think are important and then if other people like that and they choose to listen and then more of them choose to listen then awesome and if they don't and it doesn't work out and I have to do something else then fine but at least I'm not then stuck making this product that I don't believe in that I don't like that I don't care about because everybody else is telling me that it's what I should be doing yeah absolutely so so in a way like you're you're essentially doing the same thing like just in in your medium like you're mm. you're not overthinking it and you're just creating making yeah. putting it out there and moving on yeah 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 that's I mean that's the way to do it we've hacked it we've yeah. nailed it there you go if you're listening you want to know how to, <laughs> to be creative just make a thing and put it out there yeah and yeah because I, I no I mean it, it's not easy to create it, it's not mm. um, but we're all creators yeah we're all creators and we all have ideas and that's why like people when they're like oh you're a creative I'm like yeah well I lost my creative at different points in time in life sure and then I refound it and I might lose it again I don't know it might <laughs> tell, go for tell a me walk. about that actually that's interesting to me so what, what were the moments you felt like you'd lost it I definitely lost it when I was, um, I, I probably lost it somewhere in like high school, uni time when you're okay. like told, you know, that you should get serious yeah. about life. Yeah, tell me about it. And then we all adopt these personas of becoming serious adults. And, sure. And I had wanted always to pursue really creative fields and and I, I didn't have the support for that in my life. Mm. And so I pretended to put on a certain persona of being serious, mm. of being more academic, I as really a lot of us do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, And then when I realized that I, I just, I, I luckily my boredom attention span is really <laughs> low, and I just naturally, just couldn't sit still. Yeah. Um, and and I couldn't. I couldn't engage in some of the stuff I was doing because I would get like being in science class for me was like the teacher would tell you 10 concepts and I'm like still stuck on the first one because my mind is blown <laughs> and I'm like hold up yeah hold up we need a song about this like we need to celebrate this flag like the sky is blue and this is why like this is brilliant and wow. I just like how can you move on from that that is deep that is that and and so I yeah you realize at a certain point like okay maybe your attention span you need to put it somewhere where you can actually like explore things at your own pace. See, I don't know, because, yeah, you say that, like, I don't know, if anything, I feel like that's a deeper attention span. You know, like, if, I mean, this is just my take on it, right? But, like, when, when you're talking about that, that says to me, like, in that one moment, you took more out of an understanding of why the sky is blue than everyone else who was just looking to rattle off a whole bunch of facts. You know, like, here's a whole bunch of info. But, like, when you're really focusing on one thing, like, it's something I love about the world we live in, you know, you can kind of, you know, there are people who are experts on everything. Mm. Like, everything, you know, like, not even just say that you look at a tree. I mean, you've got people who are experts all the way down to, like, the bark or to the leaves or to the roots or to whatever, you know, like, there's enough in it that if you kind of keep looking far enough, you still find stuff to blow your mind. So that, to me, is, like, that's what real deep inspiration looks like. It says that I can get really excited about this simple thing that other people can gloss over as a part of a whole bunch of crap they might see in their day 
so that they get a less experience out of it than maybe you do. So maybe the interesting thing is like, it's not necessarily, okay, yes, like, yes, creative spirit, all this, la la la, good stuff. Yeah. But like, maybe it comes down to a question of curiosity, right? Because cool, um, yeah. I lived in Asia, in Singapore, where the education system on paper does really, really well. Like mm. Singapore maths is really well known around oh, sure. the world. People copy it. Mm. They're really smart. The students are ace. Yeah. But if you talk to any teacher who teaches in Singapore, they'll say on paper they're really good, but socially they're really, really, wow. mm, there's something lacking. Sure. And creatively, you definitely see it's lacking. Um, interpersonal skills are really lacking. Um, so yeah, there's different kinds of smarts, I guess sure. is what we always say, right? But, but what it comes down to is, is like, I think it's a curiosity and how, how we, we often take curiosity out of children. Yeah. And then we become uncurious adults. And therefore, most of us are uncreative because I think naturally a big part of the creative spirit is a curiosity. Wow. It's, it's, it's asking these questions and trying to find answers for that. And in fact, like every work you do probably, every work I do, every work that all of us do when we do these things is we're always looking to kind of ask questions mm. and try and have some understanding whether yeah. or not we get the answer or not. Yeah. So it's like a creative um, curious pursuit and in that sense like I find what we do sometimes no different than what like a scientist a researcher would do yeah. it's I find their work incredibly can be incredibly creative yeah in fact some mm. of the most creative people I know are scientists mm. are some of my friends who are doing their PhDs in incredibly weird things like neuroscience, interesting mm. things like neuroscience, and they're very creative individuals. It's just traditionally we don't give them that name because of whatever, but but I, 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 don't, I don't know, I don't see it in that way, which is why I don't think like we don't, you don't have to be a filmmaker to be creative. And in fact, like a lot of filmmakers aren't creative, if that makes sense. Yeah, tell me more about that, yeah. Like there's a lot of filmmakers I meet, like let's say like an editor. Sure. Edit, finding an editor for me is the hardest thing. Okay. I don't know if you find this in radio editing as well, but like editing is kind of like composed, like music composition. Okay. It hits different beats, Oh sure. highs, lows, there's a whole score to it, right? Um, and to find someone that understands that inherently mm. is, is actually incredibly rare. Because most of the editors I come across, they're very methodical. They're very like A plus B equals C. Mm. A shot goes here, a shot goes there. But there's no kind of like music to it. There's no score to it. Wow. And there's a beat, a heart missing to it. Mm. So I always say, editors, if you f are like unicorns to me. Okay. Um, wait, why was I talking about this? Oh gosh, I don't God, it was, it was such so a good, good rant. Man, it was amazing. Curiosity, Curiosity editors man. are unicorns. <laughs> I mean, there's something to it. But anyways, it's all it's all a curious spirit, and yeah, because because not everyone who are in creative air quote yeah special fields mm. are actually creative individuals. Mm. You can approach, some people approach the arts in very non-creative ways, mm. i.e. non-curious ways. They yeah. just do their job. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> it reminded me of, um, along that idea of there being different intelligences and different kind of curiosities and things like that as well. Like, I remember a friend of mine once describing it like, you know, everything kind of begins with a thought. Like, everything starts out intangible. It doesn't matter what it is. It could be a math equation or it could be a film or whatever. But 
the creative process is just the process of taking that thought and making it a tangible thing. And in that respect, anybody can be and is creative kind of every day. Um, and I had the privilege of working with a group of entrepreneurs for a while as well and, and seeing with them as well that really what they were doing was taking this idea about a product or a business or a thing and going, okay, I got this idea. How do I turn this into an actual product that people can buy or a service that they can order or something like that? Like that is, that is creative. That is the heart of creativity. And if you accept that everybody has that, suddenly it's this noble and worthy kind of thing as opposed to something that flaky arty people do. Yeah. And, 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 and here's the opposite side to that, is that I also think the arts is highly mathematical, highly scientific. Yeah. Because when I'm writing a script, when I'm telling a story and I go back to edit it, it is also like composing a score mm. in the sense that there are beats that you need to hit mm. yeah. at different points. There are swells, there are crescendos, there are like double times, all these things. Yeah. And, 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 and there are holes. When you write, you, you find these plot holes, these story holes that you have yeah. to find answers to. Sure. And there's no right or wrong, but there's always a better way, a stronger way to tell that story in the way that it's written. So I actually, like, to me, writing is like putting a puzzle together. Yeah. I literally, when I write, I see it like putting a puzzle. Mm -hmm. When you have it on the table and you're putting one piece in another and you're filling the holes, that is literally how I visualize my writing process. Right. Oh, here I see a hole. And then I, oh, what can go there? What could go there? Is it this piece? Is it this piece? No, it's this piece. Okay, moving on. Oh, whoops, this piece made this piece suddenly not fit now. And it's like, it's crazy. Cause, and then people tell me like, oh, I'm, I'm like too mathematical. I'm too like, it, like too um, structured to be something like this. I'm like, well, actually, yeah. like some of the most OCD like people I know are actually highly creative because it is so a like if then if then yeah right it's very, very kind logic. of binary kind of thing yeah, yeah very logic yeah. orientated yeah. and same with musicians like it's the right. same for them because mm. like piece music same it like mm. follows whatever kind of inherent laws of 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 emotional reasoning mm. that exist in this universe and yeah. it's same with them they hit yeah. notes they hit they know when they create a piece if they're missing something or not yeah, yeah. and if you're good at what you do you know how to fix it it reminds me of another quote I heard about creativity that was just that it's being able to create order out of chaos. Mm. Absolutely. So in that sense, it's kind of like when we say creative people, again, it's like to broaden that definition that like, whoa, hold up. We are all creative people mm. at base. Yeah. It's just some of us choose to practice it more than others mm. um, and, and in different, very different fields. Yeah. 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 And if you can take if you can take an idea and turn it into a thing. <laughs> um I mean that the okay. order out of chaos thing like I remember somebody describing it in terms of even just like somebody who cuts hair. <laughs> like imagine you know you kind of walk in there and someone's got this crazy bird's nest thing going on um and you sit down with that person and then over the course of 30 minutes an hour, 2 hours, I don't know depending what you're going for, you create order out of chaos. You make something that everybody can look at and appreciate that wasn't there before. Like, that is incredible. 
and in a way like the podcast you're doing like you're creating order out of the chaos of your mind like you're structuring them into these like bite-sized audio things that people can digest and as you're saying like you want it to be something that you would enjoy so you're like taking this chaos these thoughts these curiosities that are in your mind and you're putting them into some form of order that can be digested by others actually i'll tell you one thing in particular that then i'd love to get your thoughts on as well because one of the things that i learned in particular and i've been trying to unpack and find a way to help people unlock for themselves is the power of those kind of aha moments that we have, you know, eureka moments, bolts from the blue, whatever. There's a whole bunch of different terms that we use for them. But they're the moments that come to us, they're more received than they are manufactured. Mm. That's why they come to us at like two o'clock in the morning or when we're standing in the shower or, you know, mm. there's nodding, by the way. This is, there's, there's nodding. There's yeah, I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah. I know those. Yeah, yeah. And, and to me, those can come to you, you know, when you listen. They, they don't come because we can get so trapped in analysis all the time and it's just everything in my life right now is a product of the thinking that I've already got. So if I'm going to change it, I need new thinking from somewhere. Absolutely. And, and that to me is what these kind of bolts from the blue are about, right? It's, it's when new thinking shows up for us. And so with the podcast, I thought, well, look, if people can listen to this, and it might have happened for you, by the way, if you have been listening, and if it has, then let me know. Send me an email. It'd be great. But that they, you know, we hear somebody say something and we go, oh, wow, and it changes everything, you know, and instead of change being this difficult, drawn-out process, it kind of happens immediately and we're, we're never the same again, right? So I say all that to say that for you, when you think about those kind of aha moments, are there some that you can think of immediately that you'd want to share now that have been big for you in this artistic process that you've been involved in? I hesitate to say creative because I think we've established kind of everything's creative, right? So, I mean, is it, like there are so many aha moments. And listen, yeah. like I've like punched some aha moments away. I've been like, not now, you know, like oh, really? I'm busy. Okay. I got things to do and then it keeps pestering you and you're like, oh, but yeah, like when you, I mean, we all know when one hits, it hits and it's yeah. like, it's a game changer, right? And mm. like beautiful, beautiful moments. But it's, it's like, you know, it, it, like these aha moments, it's like you're talking about how like you need outside thinking to change your thinking to evolve, grow yeah. like this. You know, like we're iterative species. We, we learn by doing and by growing on that experience. That's how evolution works mm-hmm. at base. It's, it's an it, it, iterative, right? Sure. And that's in a way kind of like what the aha moments are doing. It's like you're, you know, you're cruising along, you're at stable, and then an aha moment comes along, interferes your stability, and forces you to change change um, some kind of direction so you're like going to the next iteration of self yeah so like in in that sense it's like we're we're iterative in in ourselves as being as creatures and to to name a specific one I mean I I I I I couldn't even I mean I think of some visually in my head that have hit me at different points but like they're all so important and yeah. they're all so necessary to the point that, like, I, when I am, I, I need to constantly read and watch and absorb and take in from others because I'm obsessively waiting for the next aha. Yeah. And that will only come from engaging in, in the world, I believe. Right. Um, and, like, I, for instance, like, I, if I don't have a good book or a good read in my life, I mm. find it really hard to create. 
Interesting. Okay. And it doesn't matter what the book is. I, you know, I'm the book I'm reading right now has nothing to do with what I'm doing, and it can literally be blah 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 <laughs> for pages, and then all of a mm. sudden a word, a sentence, mm. can make you think about something else that connects in a certain way at that certain time that makes you go, whoa. Yeah. Right. Because sometimes it's like literally I just want to read things. Like I just want to read even like signs on the street as I'm driving because a word's going to trigger something that's going to make me go, whoa. whoa. Yeah. And yeah. so I, I constantly have to be engaging and ingesting other people's work, other yeah. people's art, other people's creations. Yeah. And, and like this whole thing about like, oh, stealing other people's work, like I, that whole debate, that's interesting because I think we're all, I don't think stealing is the right word, we're all creating new iterations of a message that is similar to others. It's all iterative and, mm. and we have to quote-unquote steal we have to learn and take from others and mm. iterate and because mm. we're all like a highing at the same <laughs> that I mean that's a cool observation like because that's something I've spotted that I don't know something about the aha moment for me even speaks to I mean you know for somebody who studied I suppose religious um, studies and things like that as well it'd be good to get your perspective on but to me it kind of speaks to the spiritual nature behind a lot of the stuff as well because I mean to me like thought thoughts non-physical Mm. right like an idea to me is something that that when those moments come it's something that proves to me that, yeah that the existence of something more than just this kind of natural world we're living in because what's incredible like i mean like you mentioned how many times have we seen in history as well where we think we're right on the we're on the edge of something and then we find out there's actually this all around the world at the same time there seems to be this shift that's starting to take place and it's sometimes it's political and sometimes it's social and all those sorts of things but it's something that seems to carry us all along and, and moves us forward in this, like you say, this iterative kind of process. It's, yeah, it's, it's interesting, that kind of like global consciousness, right? Like yeah. the idea, and I think Elizabeth Gilbert talks about this in her book, The, the Big Magic, I think okay. is what it's called. I think she talks about the ahas and all these creative things as being like kind of like a spirit that visits you. Right. As like other than yourself. Right. And how like this spirit doesn't belong to you, how how it, it's not yours and mm. it, you don't own it sure. but it's come to you because it's asked you to bring it to life right. and you either take up the dare or you don't right. and if you don't take it up that's fine someone else is going to do it which is why oftentimes you know like you're somebody creates something or makes something and you're like I, I was thinking of that <laughs> like I yeah. was going to do that yeah um, yeah. But you were too slow, and the, and the, and the spirit moved on, and it right. went to someone else. Right. You know? Right. Um, yeah, there, it is weird for sure because it, that happens so often. Yeah. Uh, where you you align with others in ways that are like, whoa, they're either like, I, I don't know what it is. Yeah, is it otherworldly, other self? There, there's definitely there's definitely something we don't fully know how to explain mm. that's going on. That in a way we're all kind of like synced. Yeah. We're all connected. Consciously, we're kind of synced. Yeah. And yeah. we don't own we don't own as as selves, as as this being, mm. we don't own what we create. We don't own the thoughts. Mm. Like they just kind of like happen to us and mm. they're all like a borrowing and a dialogue and 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 answers to other things. But yeah, what is it? I don't I don't know. Yeah. I mean something that was fascinating for me with that journey, because I mean I grew up grew up in churches and things when I was a kid and you know I'm still still a part of one now and one of the I guess the messages that I got growing up was that that was a very exclusive kind of thing you know and mm -hmm. I think that's something that we get a lot from different I mean it can be religious groups it can be any kind of group of people that says we've got this thing and nobody else has got it 
but what I've found really heartening has been to see actually how much like what you're talking about there says to me that actually it's it's the proof that we're actually all connected it's not that there's this exclusive kind of you know I mean for me looking at looking at the idea of God as being somebody who's excluding other people or not wanting to share toys is more saying no man I want to take everybody along with this and hopefully you get a deeper understanding and uh, uh, you know there's deeper and deeper understanding to this as you go along but it seems to be more kind of generous and and interested in everybody's well-being and this kind of stuff which I think you know opens up that level of connection with everybody that I think we really seem to be missing. Man, I respect that. And I, I actually really respect religious people. And I've always said, I wish I was religious. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Okay. I, I wish I was religious. I was raised... Um, I was raised atheist. Okay. And um, I was given the choice to believe whatever I want, which is so empowering. Sure. Um, my mother, by birth, is, is Roman Catholic, but she like has nothing to do with the church. My father, by birth, I think he was either like Protestant or something, but they had nothing to do with the church. Yeah. So we were really like, you know, believe whatever you want to believe. And and even like when we were young, we would ask our parents like, does God exist? All this. And I don't ever remember getting. A, a concrete answer from okay. either of them. My mom's a bit more spiritual, a bit more woo-woo. Uh-huh. She'll go off in like these very spiritual tangents, which is great. Yeah. My father's very scientific, but okay. it's still like it, I don't think it was until I was in my twenties that I got an answer about God from my dad. Oh wow. Which I respect. Yeah. Thank sure. you, parents, for yeah. letting it be open-minded. But I, maybe in a way, like that's why I studied religions and stuff because I. I always wanted to belong or connect in some way, and I do. I do truly believe that there is something that religions give to humans yeah. that is lacking a lot in modern day society mm. Mm. because we have distanced ourselves from organized religion. There's something about a, a community. Yeah. There's something about an organized whole. There's something about an organized belief, which can be terribly terrible, yeah. as we know and see sure. so often in the news. But that can be so powerfully empowering. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I wish I was religious. Yeah. So do you think is that is that the element of it that you wish you, you think you wish you had then, or like where is that coming from for you? Um. Yeah. I don't know. Like I, 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 I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I. Maybe I'm like looking for it in my life in different ways, and like religious. I mean, that can be taken quite broadly too you know like sure most most people are religious even if they're not part of a religious institution yeah sure we're religious just by nature of, of our of a lot of our actions and beliefs but yeah like in the sense of like committing to an organized religion that that's interesting and and I think unfortunately I think this far I'm too far gone Oh, yeah? I, I think I'm too far gone to who knows right like yeah. I'm an iterative being and ne- the next version of me might be like I'm the most committed to yeah, the right, right. to the united I don't, church, <laughs> I don't sure, or yeah. like the synagogue yeah um, you look great with a yarmulke by the way I just think you would rock it yeah yeah do girls wear yarmulkes I don't know if they do you yeah, would know I'm, this this is where I defer to you actually I haven't studied yarmulkes or what the, you know the, the skull oh, the kippahs Oh, okay. So, yeah, I guess, um, yeah, the, the, I, I, you know, one of my favorite professors was actually um, um, a Jewish uh, rabbi. Oh, yeah, okay. And he was a great guy, and he taught us um, and Bible And every time you walked into a room, everyone said, is this some kind of joke? 
You know, Wait, I don't get it. Yeah, you because know, you know a rabbi walks into it. It's like how many like rabbi, you know, like oh, a rabbi really? president. Oh, no? okay, I didn't. Hear I didn't that. sell that joke well. Oh, okay. I'm horrible with jokes. <laughs> the other thing I wish I was was funny. <laughs> Literally, those are like two of my biggest things in really? life. Really? You don't yeah. think you're funny? No, I don't think I know. And I, and like okay, I think you can learn to be funny. So I'm learning to be funny. I like set a mission for myself a, a few years ago to okay. be more funny. All right. But like you know, some people they just got it. Yeah. I got to work on it. It doesn't come naturally for me. Okay, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Because to my mind, maybe I see the opposite of funny as people who are like super serious and stuff. And so you don't like come across like that to me. So I find that quite surprising. You maybe I'm like funny looking or... <laughs> no. <laughs> no silence. Yeah. It's like, how do you respond to that? It's yeah. like, do I, look, do I look fat in this? No. No. Never. I didn't air even quotes. look. Yeah. Air <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. I, I mean, no. It's cool. It's. I think everything's cool in mm. life, and 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 it's just learning to just just chill out about it a bit mm. more because mm. yeah, don't take it so seriously. And we all wish we could be different things, bigger, better things, and mm. and that's cool. You can and you will be mm. because we're iterative beings, and like anything you wish. Yeah. You know, if you if you truly wish it and you want it good thing is an aha moment will come in your life yeah and if you're open and receptive to it i.e. if you don't punch it away yeah right um then you will allow yourself to become that next iteration of self yeah, yeah. I, to I totally agree i mean I, I have found that when when i started to realize that whenever those moments have happened um they've always been helpful um and they've always been grounded in the truth you know like in the same way that um you know, when you understand the world for the way it is, you know, we talked the other day about that whole round earth, flat earth thing that I, you know, use when I'm talking to people and say, the moment you see the truth of the world you're really living in, life's better because you can live it the way it really is as opposed to under this kind of illusion. And to me, that's what those things bring. And so, like, if anything, actually, what I, was, I really appreciated about your perspective, too, was that you've got a confidence that those moments will come. And I think that, because I've noticed that for me, that it, it changes the way you approach your own growth and development that says that I'm not really waiting for some kind of intense intellectual moment that I've got to labor over and strive over. What I'm really waiting for is that moment where I see below the surface of something, I see the truth of it, and then it changes everything after it almost instantly and effortlessly. And you know, that's, that's what I'm looking for. Hmm. Yeah, it's kind of like it's a shocker when you realize that it's actually like really not it's not a stress like well, life yeah. is not that big of, of a stress and I know that sounds like it sounds like w w because I've been there where it's been a stress and I'm stressed sometimes mm -hmm. you know but I mean sure. like there's a difference between I'm stressed in the moment and life's a stressor. I think yeah. like there's why are we raised to take things so seriously? I don't get that. Like we're yeah. so stressed about the whole idea of life and the concept of it that yeah. we forget to just be like open and curious and 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 just receive like literally everything you get can inspire an aha. Yeah. And like the whole thing with writer's block and all this, like I I actually I don't believe it. I definitely go through periods where like I don't do great writing or yeah. I can't do writing. Who was it? The f this old white man, I forget his name, maybe it was like a Thoreau or mm -hmm. or anyways, an old old um said that uh, you do some living and then you do some writing. Oh, right. And that's how it goes. Well, at least for him. But actually I find that's actually true. Like I do some writing, yeah. some creating, yeah. and then I can't. I have nothing else to say. I'm like 
tapped out. Right. And so I got to do some living. Nice. And I don't take it so harshly. I don't see it as a writer's block. In fact, I see it as like, okay, let's get some perspective, some knowledge, some thought. Cool. So that you can come back and ready to, to create. That's really cool. You live to party. <laughs> I live to party. That's basically, you could, if you want to just, this is the 30 second, five second version of this whole podcast. Basically just live to party and you'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. That's like being an hour. Like, oh, has like it? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I know, right? Wow. <laughs> I, okay, like, so most of this was like blah, blah, no, blah, no, no. blah, blah, Are you blah, kidding blah, me? porno. Yeah, no. yeah. If, if people remember nothing else, they'll remember that. So, you know, yeah, it's a winner. Exactly, yeah. So, look, if people want to keep track of the stuff that you're doing or anything like that, like, how, how's the best way for them to do that? Uh, yeah, so my 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 name is Dream Bravely mm-hmm. on all of the online stuff. So Dream Bravely on Instagram, Dream Bravely on Facebook, DreamBravely.com. Um, and if you if you have a good story and you want to make me laugh, just email me. Cool. I don't know why though. Why? I mean, why not? if you're bored. Yeah, just do it. Just do it. Why not? I mean, maybe that Live can be. <laughs> you'll end up becoming this like creativity mentor. Like we've told everybody, hey, you've just got to like put stuff out there for people. So now they're all going to just be sending it to you and go, okay, the first yeah. thing I will do. Well, do you get a lot of anonymous emails? No. Or people writing you in with big questions? No, not yet. I actually, to be honest, I, I actually look forward to that kind of thing. Like yeah. I, I genuinely, when I had that insight about. The, there's no such thing as like a taboo topic or a, or a scary topic. It's just whether or not we're prepared to say. Like for me, if I don't know about something, I'll just say I don't know, which I think is something that you got to learn to do as well. But like, so humbling. S- sometimes it's just like, well, tell me what you think. And like, look, I don't have anything specifically to say. To that. I mean, look, to be honest, I've never considered making a porno before. I don't know if it's an idea that I'd want to do. Yeah. But when somebody asks, this is what I want to do, you go, okay, tell me about that. Yeah. So, you know. Here's something interesting. I, I did something recently that someone didn't like, and they wrote me an email. Okay. And they told, anyways, they told me they didn't like what I did, and I said, fair play. Okay. And then they told me they wanted to kill themselves. And that's what I realized they actually really wanted to say all along, is that they just wow. wanted to connect. Wow. And I, 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 and I said, hold up, hold up. I've, I have a great thought on this. But, and I was getting ready to prepare this whole, like, package of, like, what to say. And I realized, like, whoa, that's hard to say in an email. Yeah. So, like, in the future, if you get any of those, maybe you should consider doing a podcast on, like, for those who want to kill themselves. Actually, I mean, it's a big, maybe not specifically on that front, but, I mean, well, because we talked about this before, like, that, yeah. that idea that I had in terms of, like, either TV content or future content like that is that... Like a lot of the stuff that we look at for one another is, is very negatively focused. And we're yeah. like, you know, how do I go from a minus 10 to like a minus 5? But it doesn't offer anything to somebody who, you know, maybe your life's okay, but you just want it to be better. You know, you want to go from a plus 2 to a plus 7. Like that's, that's fine as well. And I was even thinking, like I had another perspective shift on this a bit more recently that proved that point, which was usually... I say usually, again, shh, that's air quotes. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so part of my thing now, I'm going to do yeah, it in front of people and you're like, what the hell are you doing? Um, but that, like, if you say to somebody, well, I have noticed, if you say to somebody like, I'm going to go talk to a therapist or something, or you should go see a counselor, the response that I've often heard back is, well, well, there's nothing wrong with me or I don't want people to think. And it's, thinking, it's interesting to me that that whole idea of well-being and mental health is like, oh, well, that's only something you do if there's something really wrong with you. Whereas instead going, well, why don't you go and talk to somebody, not because there's something wrong with you, but just because, yeah, maybe you're at a plus two, plus three, and you just want to have a better experience of life. Like, that's what connecting with people is about. That's what that, you know, a friend was, 
I hope that was a friend, associate, somebody that you know. No, was, I didn't know who yeah. they were. They oh, said okay. anonymous. So right. Are, well, I mean, yeah. either way, they're reaching out and saying, you know, I want to connect with somebody, and yeah. this is instinctively how I do it. So. So what? What's your? What's this? Is it? It's the, what is the name of this thing? Because I know you told me about it. Have you found a name for that? Um, no. Look, this is this is so early on for me that I yeah. I, I don't have uh, you know I mean broadly speaking, it's just grounded in you know the ideas behind positive psychology that really just says look, there are certain things that are intrinsic with all of us that if we live according to things like you know generosity and connection and, and even forgiveness and self-compassion we will have a better experience of life we will our health will be better our mental health will be better and a lot of people don't know what they are and so i just want to get more of that out there so yeah well i'm looking forward to hearing it all and seeing yeah. it yeah 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 definitely sarah how this has been a trip it's been really cool definitely <laughs> <laughs> No one could see that. Yeah. <laughs> Smoking weed, Ma. I'm kidding. Yeah. I'm kidding. Very joking. I'm probably kidding. Nine out of ten chance. Seven out of ten chance that I'm kidding. Um, anyway, I hope you, my dear listener, enjoyed this. Um, and so if you've got any thoughts as well that you want to share, um, you can send them through to me at uh, the Andrew Curtis Show at gmail.com. And i got another episode on the science of happiness is going to be out in the next week or two as well. So thanks for listening. We'll catch you again soon. Don't call it a comeback I've been here for years I'm rocking